Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented time where your individual liberties are being handed over in the name of a government safety net or for the common good. You're tired of being told what you're allowed to say, how to live your life, or how to raise your kids. And so are we. We are the Break the Bell Podcast, and we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. Join us weekly as we invade your ear holes with all the insanity that's going on in the world and expose the corrupt system that is hell-bent on keeping the power from you. You can check out Break the Bell every Monday night, streaming live on YouTube, or listen wherever you can find podcasts. Check out Break the Bell, and most importantly, never stop talking. time with the little 30 second intro and then the music for a reason and it worked out perfectly how is everyone good very good have we all started uh pre-gaming for for cheers so we have wine we we have beer and we have water for you i'm I'm, I'm three hours behind maybe i'll catch Uh, up with you guys a blessed super bowl to all who celebrate yeah Um, to the superb owl we cheer yes (laughs) See, I'm doing this pre-gaming right. I've got chips and queso, pigs in a blanket, and beer. I'm, <clears throat> I am ready to rock and roll with this. Sounds good. I feel like I'm doing the opposite with wine, but I was like, oh, it's a woman-themed episode. I must have a wine. I must have a candle, you know, and then I'm going to go drink beer with people. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, probably like 30 minutes and I'll grab a scotch. But as, as we established mm-hmm. the yeah. last and first time that I did a live stream with Justin, I cannot hold my liquor so <laughs> I, I held it together but yeah. it's, it's one of those things where you're just kind of you're i'm definitely not intoxicated um yeah yeah, yeah. to be fair yeah, we I did go for like, like to be fair we did go for like six hours on that one so you know yeah. there was a lot and and pretty consistently drinking from beginning to end so yeah. you know if yeah. you had if you had been able to hold your liquor through all of that i would have been shocked and impressed I was, I was competing with the best so I, I don't think any of us hung with Jim he was uh he was getting no. after it. no Jim Jim has a special yeah, Jim Jim's in the league all his own so <laughs> I've tried to do a 12 shot challenge because of the you know the Dave um Smith 12 shot joke that was just overwhelming Twitter so for the for like it, we were doing a podcast on Jen, on you know January sixth, and I said, oh, I'll do twelve shots, and I'm not responsible for anything I say because women have no agency after twelve shots apparently, right. right? And and I feel like that was the only time I ever had a bad experience on the podcast. But I was just like, I am talking, but I'm not processing what I'm saying. You know, it's never fun, and and you and you're live and you're recording, and it's just it's all out there for the entire. Yeah. the Wayback Machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always a joy. <laughs> like, I did not pass out. I, I was just very um, out of it. Mm. So still con- still conscious, just not quite with it. There, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, <clears throat> today we're going to be talking about a completely different topic, although it does seem like... Uh, when I, especially with Amanda, because that's what the the episode was specifically geared towards. But even with with Masha, when we had had our little uh, live stream that we did a, a month or so ago, we do kind of devolve into making fun of women to some extent. Mm-hmm. And so today we are uh, we're going to be approaching 
women in the workplace. Now, both of y'all. Are you allowed to approach them? Uh, probably it's not. It's social harassment. No, you I am not. You two are allowed to. If I approach yeah. them, instantly fired. That's it. Like no, no, uh, yeah, no reprimand. Just straight out the door, you're done. Um, especially if I were to approach any of the women who were who participated in this article that we're going to be looking at. <laughs> and uh, I'll drop the link of the, for the article in the uh, in the chat over here. That way, if anybody who is following along wants to, you can. Read along with us as we go through this impressive piece of uh, journalism, if I do say so myself. Well, I do want to point out, first of all, that this is what is called sponsored content. Uh, and, and so sponsored content means, I, I know this because I used to work in PR, sponsored content means that somebody paid, a, a team, a PR team paid a buttload of money to do to insert this paid internal focus group study that advertises products or services, whatever, in a magazine or a news page. And so this is just one big multi-page newspaper ad that's refined for the digital age. I know this especially because the format, the layout of this article looks like a parody of everything that I ever did in PR. It's, Click on this for a case study. Scroll through to see more. Here's a, a lumpy, poorly drawn cartoon of, of three racially ambiguous, faceless, smiling women at a water cooler. Here's Shania's story. No, I don't want to hear Shania's story. I want to read the friggin' article. So anyway, there's, there's, this layout is very, very irksome to me. So I think, I mean, I think you and I have a lot in common. You're currently in a PhD program. I used to be in a PhD program. You worked in PR. I worked, I worked in like marketing. So I, I think that, that we're a good pair to talk about this together. Yeah, for sure. Like you're supposed to be an expert at, at what people like, and yet people in PR continue to do this. Nobody likes this, which is, it's, yeah. it's very, very entertaining to me. I also didn't like it just from a purely, <clears throat> I like to just read stuff. I don't mm -hmm. want, I don't want uh, a whole lot of interactive BS. Like give me an article, let me read it and go from there. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot to dislike about this. Not the least of which was probably the content of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Content was so great. So building the new workplace. Mm. COVID-19 has upended the American workplace, and it continues to shine a light on what isn't working, particularly for women. But within every crisis, there is opportunity. Women Rule the Exchange brings together leading women in business each quarter to confront these challenges and help find solutions to today's most pressing issues at the intersection of gender, industry, and policy. Uh, speaking of... Uh, yes. Scroll to continue, and then it jumps back up at you again. Yeah. Hmm. So, the way that your dog is barking is all is how I felt about this article when I got this far. It's just like nope, nope, nope. That's the uh, that's actually the female. She she's the one that's the loud mouth around the house. Go yeah, pee. she's upset too. <laughs> yeah. So in 2020, the dam broke. First came the pandemic, then a racial reckoning. <laughs> Sorry, you could say that. Then a racial reckoning, uh, and what followed was a cascade of discussions and debates around what's working and what's not, and the opportunity for reinvention in American workplaces when it comes to issues of race, gender, policy, practice, and beyond. So what do y'all got for, uh, we're going to move into this in the round, and this is where it first dubs the she session, uh, mm. which is what they kind of get at is the number of women who have more or less left the workplace or at least left the modern typical workplace in 2020 going forward and and it talks about the demographic demographics of that and and some of the reasoning behind that it also talks about the need for uh what is it bridging the the pay gap and and all of that other fun stuff they they hit a lot of they hit a lot of good buzzwords and uh key phrases throughout this thing what y'all think of these lovely ladies and uh, the leaders that we're that we're looking at here in the uh, in the round with the she session? 
I'll get girl it out. Boss TM. I, I don't know what else to say. Just girl boss TM. You said you were in a girl boss industry, right? Or you're like in a, gr a girl boss kind of, or you're, you're, you're familiar with girl boss kind uh, yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I used to be in a PhD program that I left the PhD program that I worked at a, at a small marketing agency. And now I have a blue collar job. So I'm very like, when I read this article, I was like, I'm so glad I'm out of the white collar world. And I don't have to like listen about this stuff or be considered as anything related to this group or, you know, now I, I feel like now I just like, now I feel like my gender only really matters when I'm just physically weaker, you know, mm -hmm. and I can't lift the same things. I can't like, I, I take more time to do the same tasks because I'm weaker, but otherwise I'm like, I'm so glad I'm just out of this whole sphere, yeah. you know? And when I was in a PhD program, I had, like, I was very young for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of people constantly comment that, oh, like you could have tenure before you have kids and you're on this perfect track and you could get tenure before you get knocked up. And, and then you could take time off and it's gonna not gonna affect tenure, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I was like, leave me alone. Like yeah. what, like I'm in my early twenties where I, what, what, what are you talking about? You know? So I, I'm just really glad to be out of this world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I, I love, I yeah. love the phrase she session. I'd like, so, yeah. so there's this, there's this quote that they have. According to the National Women's Law Center, the pandemic saw the lowest numbers of women participating in the workforce since 1988. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because women were forced to stay home. At least one parent was forced to stay home. And statistically, it's more likely to be a woman who's yeah. forced to stay at home when, with, where kids stare on their computer screen. Maybe think about the implications of policies because the, the, the government was the one who created the she session. So if kids had stayed in school, as they should have from the very beginning, we wouldn't have a she, she sells seashells by the seashore. That We, we yeah. wouldn't have seen that, seen that, whatever. Right. And, and, and like you could argue it would be a wonderful thing if like more women chose like homeschool their kids. Mm -hmm. Right. If it was like I'm going to stay home to do something of value for my child. But it was like I'm going to stay home because my child has to get indoctrinated via laptop for eight hours a day locked in his or her room. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like the this this could have been good, you know, but it was just this the same shit, but on zoom. Yeah. And kids didn't learn and people didn't work. Yeah. And now, and now we're acting like it's, it's this entirely new thing that there, there's broads in the workplace. See, it's, it, this has been, that's been the standard for a very, very long yeah. time. We shouldn't have to continue having these think pieces that treat women like a monolith. So what do y'all think about this first quote from one of our, uh, leaders in in the business world, and this is uh, Diana Dorsey Calloway, who is a designer and entrepreneur, District of Clothing, and Diana Dorsey Design. Say that five times fast. It's time businesses and policy leaders close the pay gap and prioritize well-being for women and care. Excuse me, women and caretakers who are often juggling many different roles. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? Diana Dorsey's uh, pay is like. Yeah. I, I feel like we're probably so much on the same page that we don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, if you want to take it first, because I, I genuinely, I, our gen, I generally kind of have rants, so you can you can take it first. I, I think that whatever the pay gap is, it's a market-driven phenomenon, and we tend to like right it's like what michael malice says if like industries could somehow pay women less for the same work wouldn't you find more women employed than men right if we do the same labor for less amount of money would it be profitable to just keep hiring us all the time right so we, i think that free market economics are real and you get paid for lesser value and the market decides and there is a reason why we get paid less because we choose to do work 
that's less valuable to everybody else. And we take time off because we have kids and that's fine. And we take more time off because we have more family responsibilities, which is fine. And we sometimes exit the workforce and come back with less experience because we have kids and that's fine. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I cannot seriously discuss the gender pay gap because I'm like, yeah, it exists for a good reason. Yeah. When you I don't know. Yeah. When you see stuff like the pay gap and pay equity, it's one of those things that's really difficult to measure, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm not going to do the exact same job that somebody yeah. else is going to do, regardless of gender. I'm going to bring a different mm -hmm. skill set that's either going to be more or less valuable at a particular place to, pick, to, to particular people. And there's also an issue with negotiating. So negotiating yeah. is a skill. And women, for whatever reason, I'm perfectly willing to believe that a lot of this is cultural. Women yeah. are less. Women. I agree with you. And I, and I have read the work on that too. So yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That women are, are less likely to negotiate or if we, if they do negotiate, they give in more quickly. So men tend to get raises. They tend to get paid more. They also tend to apply for higher paying positions in general. So that, that accounts for some of the pay gap. But, you know, I, I think for the negotiation part, this crosses gender lines. Women are more susceptible to it than others, but it's a matter of saying, you know, hey, I have just as much of a right to demand a higher wage as anyone else, and I'm going to work with myself, and I'm going to coach myself until I'm comfortable going in there and saying, I think I deserve X dollars, here's why. And when my supervisor pushes back, I'm going to practice pushing back. And so that, that's something that doesn't have to be gendered. A lot of it is some of its personality, but this is, this is something that is resolvable and it's within our hands like we and it's it's something that i've worked on is getting better at negotiating and asking for more so do you think that perhaps the negotiation side of it is because women tend to be a little less confrontational and a little more amenable and try to be problem solvers rather than uh, attack what they see as the problem like for me there have been plenty of instances throughout my professional career where I effectively told my boss, I'm quitting. And I, and they would effectively say, what do we have to do to get you to not do that? Mm -hmm. She's going to hear me say this and come in here and yell at me. <laughs> my, my wife will complain to me about things that go on regularly. And I'm like, go say something about it. Like raise a, throw a fit, be a bitch about it, do something and get it fixed. Mm -hmm. And that won't happen. Uh, because she's a very nice, loving woman, and that's not in her nature. Whereas for me, if, if shit's going sideways, I'm going to be an asshole until it either stops going sideways or they give me enough money that I stop complaining about it. I relate to that a lot. I feel like, I, like I've like i walked out before, but when I walked out, it wasn't like a threat. I mean, like I'm honestly done and goodbye, right? So I have two levels. I have nice girl and I have nuclear. And like nuclear means like I left my entire field. I left the entire white collar world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. But until then, I'm just like, yeah, things are fine. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, a matter of, yeah. yeah, understanding what you're willing to accept and why you're willing mm -hmm. to accept it, why you do what you do. And if something's unsatisfactory, it is a skill, you know, I, yeah. I don't know if, if, it's a natural thing with agreeability or if it's a culturally imposed thing with, with tending to be more agreeable. Um, but it's, it's certainly something that again is within women's hands. And I certainly have benefited from becoming stronger in terms of negotiation, as opposed to just saying, this is the patriarchy. There's nothing that I can do about it. And then being bitter and resentful because I'm not earning as much as I want yeah. to be earning. So speaking of the patriarchy, mm -hmm. Women get less than 3% of venture capital funding despite controlling 80% of healthcare decisions in the U.S. Any thoughts on that particular item? Why is it that women get the uh, are on the low end of the stick as far as funding for stuff goes like that? Is that a... Worse ideas? Venture capital incorporates an entire... Like, it incorporates a swath of stuff, not just healthcare. It's like saying women get this tiny percentage of uh, 
of this massive field, even though they control a lot of the, a lot of the subset of this massive field? Well, there's your answer. Yeah. I'm saying how much of venture capital investments are going into that particular field uh, anyway? Like because, there's, like you said, venture capital is a it's a large scale thing. Like that's not just limited to the healthcare field and and how much of like this is using uh using statistics to not necessarily tell the truth um yeah right and it's like and it's like i mean everything written in this article is angled towards you stupid sexist pigs right like that's the whole point of this article is to scream you stupid sexist pigs well, or it's, to, yeah, and it's to make people feel good about reading it. It's one of those articles that you want to read yeah. and you want to feel good and pat yourself on the back. I'm, I'm so evolved. And as a woman, which is something that I, I try to not begin sentences that way, um, I thought this article was pretty offensive to women. I mean, it, it, just, it just treats us as helpless and at the mercy of the patriarchy and, and like we don't have any agency of our own. And like we all think alike, it it, it 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 also has this like ideal of like well you will only be fulfilled as a woman if you're equal to your partner in your financial success, right? And I don't give a fuck. One thing I honestly, I... like I, I I don't give a fuck. Like I just I eventually just want to have kids and homeschool them. Like I I I. I, I honestly don't care, you know? One so, thing that I, yeah. It's just like, like, why do you ascribe these aspirations to me? I don't share them, you know? I was particularly jarred by the, the blanket statement meritocracy is a myth. Now, if we want to talk about various mm -hmm. factors that make it, uh, that make it, more or less difficult for people to get hired and get ahead that might not be entirely based on merit then fine but meritocracy is not a myth wholesale and i see that because there are female ceos and there are ceos there are females who are exceptionally powerful in the workforce so if you're telling us that meritocracy is a myth that yeah. says every single marginalized person every is single there person, because of a favor or because yeah. of pity yeah, it's because of tokenism. Every single yeah. person who isn't a white male who's in a position of power didn't get there on their own merits. That's what meritocracy as a myth says. They're there because of, I don't know, tokenism. Yeah. So that's that was in particular, that was like nails on a chalkboard to me. And it's yeah. entirely non-falsifiable. Yeah. And like, I was also thinking about how, you know, like, I feel like right now when I talk about this stuff, I have an entirely different frame with which I think about it because I, as I've said, like up until I was 27 years old, I worked in the white collar world and I was like, fuck it. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go work with dogs. Right. And, awesome. and I was hired like a part of my job. I, I drive a lot for my job. I drive a giant van full of dogs. Right. I basically didn't know how to drive when they hired yeah. me, but I work for a right-wing company and I made it very explicit that I am right-wing. I would be proud to work for a company that shares my values. And they basically had an approach of, we will teach you how to drive, right? <laughs> so I, I wasn't hired on merit. Like I had some experience with dogs that I could list, but it was much more the case of like, you're gonna be ideologically aligned with us and what we need to, we will teach you. So it's a right-wing dog walking company? No, so we're so we don't walk dogs particularly. Like so it's a dog training facility. Okay. So we like race police dogs, we gotcha. do board and train programs for dogs that need to be retrained. We do a day school programs and like for basically two and a half hours of my day I just drive the dogs home, right? Yeah. So I feel like most of the work I do is wrangling dogs rather than walking them. So it's more just like getting dogs from point A to point B all, all, all the time, you know? Gotcha. And, you know, and, and, and then, you know, like it, it's a very like, and when I say right wing, like we have thin blue line stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if you're you training know, police dogs, I mean, I guess I kind of get it. Like, yeah. The, and we have a lot of clients that are cops, you know? So I will make like small talk with people that are like waiting for their sessions and I ask them, Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a cop and booster like okay yeah um 
So, so we work very closely with the police and we raise police dogs for sale. So, um, so when I say like right wing, I mean like I wear all of my don't try to me t-shirts to work and the people love it. Okay. So I want to yeah. get y'all's opinion on yeah. this because like you said, Masha, you previously were in a PhD and more of the white collar stuff. Yeah. Amanda, you're doing a PhD now and for now, by, <laughs> for for now. now. And by all accounts, yeah. uh, like what you intend to do Allegedly. is, is yeah. probably more on the, uh, white collar side of things mm -hmm. i guess i would i would probably put it i call it right now yeah, yeah there it is um so i've always been very blue collar very in the while i've been in management for the majority of my career i've always been in agricultural or processing factory work stuff like that mm -hmm. and like especially in the ag field we would see females who would come into into the industry and they may start out in operations side of stuff mm -hmm. But eventually they would always they would always transition over to marketing, to a desk job, to something like that. Like they know they wouldn't ever stay long term in the operation side of stuff. And so mm -hmm. and so like what you see is the guys in that industry who are in operations, who are doing the, the boots on the ground type of work. That's a higher paying part of the industry. Yeah. So like. And it gets brought up all the time, and I feel like it's really cliche to bring it up. But the pay gap thing does have something to do with the fact that uh, a lot of times women tend to stray away from or shy away from the more physically uh, tolling type of industries and type of jobs and go for the more desk job type stuff. And so, like, there is a while this overarching pay gap may exist. Yeah, it's it doesn't not, mean that it's, it's like necessarily evil. It may just be like you, I, you and I have preferences, but our preferences are valued differently by other people, right? Right, and it's not like an apples to apples comparison. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'm gonna scooch my camera over for just a sec because the sun's right in my face, but I, I can still hear y'all. Yeah. I was kind of. I, I feel like I can't find a good way to show like the bruises on my arms in a in the current lighting that I have, but I was gonna say like. I purposely went for a more physical job, but like I, there is no good way to show them, but just take my word. I have a lot of bruises on my arms. Right. But like, there is a good reason for why, like a lot of people wouldn't take the job I took. It, it hurts to get bit all the time, you know? Well, and I, I mean, I like physical jobs yeah. too, right? As I'm like, yeah. one of my favorite things, honestly, is waiting tables. It doesn't, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it pays all right when you, when you take in tips, although every time the minimum wage has gone up, tips yeah. and hours have gone down. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, um, I, I like moving around and, and all that yeah. too. And sometimes, and sometimes those are the more menial jobs, right? Like if you think of being a CEO sitting behind a desk versus yeah. waiting tables, kind of dig waiting tables. I dig being on my feet. So. Yeah. Like I, I took a big pay cut when I quit my desk job. Yeah. I was work, but I was just like, I will shoot my brains out on this very keyboard. If I keep sitting at my desk, you know, like I just had that feeling. So I felt reading this article, quite frankly. Yes. Yeah, right getting to that point yeah speaking of the like, article yeah, yeah sorry what did you I say speaking of the article what y'all think of this progress report as we kind of go through it so redesigning work doesn't just apply to the way a workplace looks but whether workers are remote it also means re-examining career advancement opportunities and arrangements to work well for all people including women and people who have caregiving responsibilities so the way that it ties up is basically like, well, it's great that women can be home to take care of their kids. But what's even better is if men do what, what women do so that women can use their downtime to suck up to their boss some more and get ahead, right? So, so it's like, well, this helps women because children and caregiving responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. But if they actually use that flexibility to not work as much while well, they're behind, so how about their husband change the diapers while you girl boss type away, right? That's how this article read to me. I feel like this article is very confused with itself because on the one hand, it talks about how you need to prioritize caregivers, which it assumes are predominantly women. 
Yeah. Uh, and you need to prioritize women's interests and staying at home and taking care of kids because that's a women's issue. And then you have somebody saying further on down that regressive ideas about gender, especially about caregiving, keep us from realizing the promise of equality for everyone. Yeah. So I and honestly, I the like, husbands are zooming in and then changing the diapers and then zooming in. Yeah, I mean, pick like, one, pick one article, pick yeah. one sponsored content. Here's here's Amanda's favorite part with uh, meritocracy being a myth. My favorite. Yeah, I've, 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 I have ranted about this. Yes, meritocracy is a myth, which explains why any woman who in a position who is in a, any woman who is in a position of power in the workforce is just a token, obviously, because meritocracy is a myth. So clearly, she didn't get there on her own merits. Is what that says to me. Yep. And then change takes time, effort, and measurement to move the dial on gender and racial in, inequities. We must create benchmarks for progress and change, and some steps to take towards change could mean publishing what position pays to help narrow pay gaps. Does that give you the, is that like a no haggle price at CarMax? I mean, does, does that give you the opportunity to, to bargain for, for a higher, for a higher wage? What, what about, what about benefits that aren't concretely related to money, right? So we talked about remote work. Sometimes people would rather work remotely for less money. So how does that factor in? to the pay gap and, and pay equity. Because I might value, you know, living in Chicago and, and working for uh, a newspaper and be willing to take a pay cut if I don't have to come into, you know, a New York office. It just, it's, it's different. Yeah. And how much of that, so there has been a lot of talk, at least in some of the articles and stuff that I've been looking at over the last couple months, especially as like jobs numbers have come out for 2021 and there's been more analysis of looking at uh, because there has been such a big deal made over Joe Biden's economic recovery and all these jobs that he supposedly created that he didn't actually create. It was just people going back to the jobs that they were forced out of to begin with. But nonetheless, uh, like one of the big things that has been brought up with some of that is the number of people who now have the opportunity to work remotely. And so while they, are going back to work they're not going back to work per se mm -hmm. what's the and see like this is something that i haven't looked into the stats of but like something that i i do think about and, and wonder about with that is what's the percentage of that that are women who are staying at home and working and and i know for a fact that uh just from experience with friends and people that i know like the ones who have chosen to stay home and work remotely effectively full-time and not return to the workplace the pay is not significantly but it's i mean any uh any lower wage is significant to some extent like mm -hmm. if you if you went into the office and you worked from the office every day you would be paid more and the people you know how many or what's the percentage of those who are choosing not to go back to the workplace and are choosing to work from home how many of those are women like I could probably do 85% of my job from my desk. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely no interest in that. Uh, like, yeah. Not, I just, I, I, I want to be there with my team interacting, doing what we do. I want to go to work. Um, not that I don't love my kids, but I don't want to be around them all the time right. you know so what's the what's the gap there between men and women who have chosen to stay home and work remotely versus those who have chosen to go back to work and you know uh, the obvious uh pay gap that exists between those groups and you could always argue well the women didn't really choose to stay home it's more that their husbands pressure them too because because the stereotypes say that women should take care of the babies and men should be out, right? But like nobody stops to consider like maybe the women want to take care of their kids more, you know? Like maybe yeah, on I, average, the average woman would prefer to spend more time with her kid. And, and I am not a, a mothering person. I love kids as long as they're not mine. Um, so I, I don't intend to have children if I could. And, uh, would not be staying home to take care of them. I'd be like one of those celebrities that just pawns their kid off on a nanny. It wouldn't be mm -hmm. good for anyone. However, 
I recognize that a lot of a lot of people do want to stay home with their kids. I, and I think it's less of a male female divide as it is a blue collar, white collar divide, because there are certain professions where you just can't go in uh, to or you can't stay home to work. Yeah. Um, but if I were I would expect to see more women opting to stay home uh, than than men and for a variety of reasons, too. I mean, I do. I think what's cool about working from home is yeah. uh, is that you kind of get to call the shots in your day. Uh, yeah. I can work without pants. Yeah. I could be mm-hmm. podcasting without pants right now. No one would know. <laughs> and that's that's <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, the camera stops at a certain point for a reason, Justin. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I can like go to a yoga class in the middle of the day. And, you know, so it's it's one of those things that people just have different preferences. And sometimes that factors into pay scale. Yeah. And, and like, you know, talk about it as, as somebody that's like, feel like I could do one of the two. I could do what I do now where like I purposefully chose a job where like I either come in or nothing happens, right? Yeah. I'm either yeah. physically there with the dogs or I'm not getting paid. Right. 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 But in the future, I would prefer to have kids and homeschool my kids and not go to work. Right. But I... Like, there's something in me that does not see, like, I've done the working at my desk. I I just can't do it, you know? Right. right. Yeah. And, and then it also, like, speaks to, like, how even now, like, the markets thought I was delivering better value when I was working and doing, like, data analysis at my desk. But it something mattered more to me to come in. And I took a pay cut. And I get something non-monetary for it. And that's fine, right? Like, we're free agents. We're human beings that are capable of thinking for ourselves. And whatever we choose, we chose what was best for us. And just because we might get paid less for it, it doesn't mean that we're somehow, like, undercut. I'm, I'm much more grateful to be getting paid less and getting hurt all the time and showing up in person because to me, I get more value out of it, right? Yeah. I probably deliver less value to the world and the world pays me less, but that's fine because it's all subjective, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's so sad that somebody tries to portray it as like, oh, it's oppression or oh, you're undercut or you're getting less than what you owe. Like nobody owes me anything, you know? And it's so weird, right? How the people who want to, you know, who want to dismantle capitalism and dismantle wage labor are the people who are denominating every marker of success and happiness and fulfillment and equality and equity in terms of the dollar. Yeah, right. It's, It's... Capitalists are much less concerned. <laughs> See things in a much, much broader view than people who supposedly don't want everyone to be chasing the dollar all the time, and yet they're constantly talking about earning, earning, earning. Your success is measured by your earnings. If, yeah. if you're not earning enough, then you're not respected enough. Like, would again pick a lane. Yeah, right. Well, and like, I, I didn't want to yeah. earn more. I just wanted to not blow out my brains on, on the keyboard, you know, in a job that. You know, women or those who choose to work remotely taking less money. They're doing that because that also gives them a certain level of flexibility. It allows them to stay at home. It allows them to do certain things that they don't have the opportunity to do if they're going into the, you know, going into the building or, you know, going and sitting at the desk there. So it's a it's a trade off. Like you decide what's what is more valuable to you: the ability to sit at home in your pajamas and do your job from there, and kind of set your own hours, or to be on the more structured schedule of your workplace and to abide by a dress code and all of this stuff. So you know there there is a certain level of trade off that gets ignored in in the the pay gap that that is always talked about. Because a lot of times I feel, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think women choose certain professions and certain jobs because of that trade-off, because there are certain things that make the job easier, that make it more appealing to women, whereas men wouldn't be as attracted to it and would be more interested in something that pays more, but is also more risky, more 
labor intensive, more hands-on. Um, so, you know, they they never do balance that, that risk reward the, and the trade-offs of the different functions of these jobs whenever they, when it's only looked at strictly by the pay, by, by the, the dollar per hour pay. Yeah, like there's more to the value that you get from your job than the dollar, like Amanda was saying, you know, there's safety, there's security, there's calmness, there's flexibility, there's like so many things that are just non-monetary, but aren't real and are real source of value and, you know. Yeah. Yes, Corey, success and happiness are objective uh, or uh, subjective. Um yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just very odd to see it constantly measured or denominated in dollars by people who don't believe in denominating things in dollars or pursuing pursuing capital. You know, so like, you know, like think that... about this, like I am a PhD dropout. I was very close to getting a PhD. I just like threw the table over, like I'm done, goodbye. I got mm -hmm. a master's. Yeah. Now I... Now I have a job I could have gotten with a high school degree or less, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like my only capability for this job going in was so like I used to walk dogs on the side and I was right wing enough. They were like, okay, we'll teach you how to drive. We'll teach you the rest of your skills, right? Mm -hmm. But I am for the first time in years, I am stoked to tell people about what I do. That's so great. I am stoked to tell my boyfriend about my day, about which new dogs I met. I'm stoked to send my mom photos of the dogs. I'm like, I am stoked to tell people about my day. And that's what everyone I should have. I didn't need a master's for this. Yeah. I don't think I needed a high school degree for this, right? But that is not, that's what everyone that's, should have. Everyone like, should have that. Yeah, right? And, and like that is very subjective, right? So mm -hmm. I my early 20s are down the drain, but it doesn't matter because I'm happy doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And tell me that's somehow objective. It's not objective at all. Is am I happy doing what I'm doing? Right, right. So one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch on that it gets into semi-regularly, it's uh, it's both here in this uh, bullet number four of the, the progress report, and also as you scroll down and look at some of the, some of the, from the, the, from the desk of quotes from these different CEOs and uh, female leaders, they talk a lot about the social support policies for caregivers. They talk a lot about uh, family planning, maternal health, normalizing fertilization or fertility conversations, uh, taking care of, you know, having a paid family leave policy that would benefit workers of all types. But when they say workers of all types, they specifically mean mothers. Um, yeah. So, and this kind of, I feel like it's uh, what you would expect from a Politico sponsored ad, like <laughs> especially coming off of the failure of Biden or Biden's Build Back Better and a lot of the Family Paid Leave Act that was supposed to be a, that was really a staple of that that was for to a large extent uh, a, a big piece of why it got shut down to begin with because a lot of a lot of the more moderate Democrats didn't want anything to do with that either and much less any of the Republicans so can y'all uh, kind of give some thoughts on on that especially looking at it from a like a policy perspective, like mm -hmm. should the government be involved in making those decisions, like forcing companies to say, okay, you have to allow your employees X amount of time off. You have to give them so much paid leave. You have to do all these things. Like what, what are y'all's thoughts on that uh, from, from the female perspective, because the female tends to be the one who is the most affected by this type of stuff. But, but I, I just, it shouldn't matter. Right. Mm. Like, I'm a free agent. I would prefer to think I have agency and free will and and if the job isn't offering the benefits that I want, I'm free not to take that job. Mm -hmm. And if a job mandates, if the government mandates the job offer it, there's going to be less likely to hire me. Yeah, I so I don't think there's anything wrong with with I mean I think I think it's a good strategy for a workplace to have paid 
family leave. I think that is something that if an employer wants to be competitive and wants to get the best workers, they'd better have paid family leave as part of their benefits package. The issue is that when you try to enforce that on the federal level, it tends to harm smaller businesses. It tends to harm startups. Uh, and it tends can sometimes make wages lower. Uh, like startups have to offer lower pay to compensate for the fact that you've got workers that might be out more. And then fewer people are going to try and get jobs there. And so it, basically what it does is it sort of skews the playing field more toward larger industries. Nothing wrong with being a large industry, nothing wrong with being a small business. Certainly nothing wrong with offering paid family leave. But I don't trust the federal government to do that well, partly because I think the past couple of years have been a really good example of what happens when the federal government tries to help people and their private lives. Yeah. Help. Yeah. Well, yeah, help. And like, I, I, I think about this, I have five days off right here. And my five days off don't kick in until six months. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. But I, I, I chose to take this job. Well, and like, right? and, and like, to that effect, is, like right? you know, you should, if you, uh, if you have any level of, if you have any level of agency in what you're doing and you, you actually, you know, care about the job and you are in a position to be semi-selective about your job, you're going to look through the, the HR manual and, and the policy yeah. manual and everything. And you're going to see like, what are the maternity and paternity leave allowances? Yeah. What are the, uh, the bereavement allowances, like yeah, stuff like I, that. And, and you're going like to be aware of that. If I had a kid, I would be doing an entire, like, right. I was doing this as a 27 year old childless woman, right. It would have been a world away difference in the search I would have done had I had a child and yeah. had I needed work. Right. Yeah. And right. Yeah, it's like I whenever I tell people like, oh yeah, I could take five days off a year, but I can't take them off until June. Right. And people are like, I'm like, but I like this job enough that I was willing to put up with it, so I'm a free agent. Like I chose this, right? And if I had a child, things would be entirely different because my priorities would have been different. And I would have taken something else and maybe I would have been like, oh, this is my dream job that matches my values and I have all of the line stuff on the fridge and blah, 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 right? Like, like it, it was just a case of what do I want for myself and myself only because mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking of kids. And I think this gets into a, a broader yeah. point too that was mentioned in the article. Can, can we kill the phrase and the concept work-life balance? Because I, so I, I, I say this a lot. I don't believe that one comes at the expense of the other, right? And I want to yeah. live in a world where for myself and for everyone else, work is life and life is work. And that is the best thing ever. I want to live yeah. in a world where everyone's getting paid to pursue their passion in a unique way and become better and better at it and share it with the world. And I want to live in a world where you earn your living by creating meaning, even in little entry level jobs, right? Again, I loved waiting tables. It didn't pay a ton, but that was like the best part of my day was going in and making relationships with people and hanging out with them yeah. and bringing them food and stuff. So again, I reject this dichotomy. It's a yeah, false dichotomy. And I agree with you whole, wholeheartedly. You know, like I was doing academic research since I was 17. Yeah. Since from 17 to like 25, 26, that was my life. I, was, I yeah. It meant everything to me right. i didn't have the concept of weekends i just had the concept of i will work until i have to pass out and i didn't and want i loved it yeah, yeah it's the and, best I, thing and, ever. and i loved it and to me like it didn't matter what my hours were i loved it so much and once i once i stopped loving it i just quit and then i quit like way out of the field i quit way, way out of the white color category yeah. right right but like when i was into it i was so into it and I hated hearing work-life balance because I'm like, I don't want work-life balance. Yeah. I want my work to be like, I want to do what I'm passionate about doing. And if I do get 4 a.m. on a Sunday, I don't give a fuck. Every, you know? Yeah. Everything that you do should be a reflection yeah. of who you are and what your values are. And work is no exception. Work should give you life. And that's, that's what I want. Yeah. Right.
Well, it's like for me, I've worked in jobs where I made uh, an, a, a significant amount of money and I had no life outside of work because work was it. I've also had jobs where I made significantly less money and it wasn't much better, but because of the work itself and because of who I worked with and the team that I had and everything, I actually loved it and it was engaging and it, you know, it was, I, I might complain about it because we had our problems, but I looked forward to it every day because I loved my team and I loved the people that I worked with and it was great. So, you know, I mean, that's one of the, I took a, uh, I took a, a pay cut of about half. Like I went from making a lot of money to making half of that amount of money. And it was a big uh, adjustment at the time, just in life in general. But I was also a lot happier with making that decision. And then like, for a while I worked, uh, I was just a hourly employee at Lowe's and it was fun and it was rewarding and I enjoyed what I did. I didn't make a whole lot of money doing it, but it was like, you have the, like the work-life balance thing is a crock of shit yeah. because the work-life balance is what you make of it. And to- and Also, it, it, it depends on what it means for you to be done with work, right? And that depends on what the work means to you and what yeah. life means to you. And I'm trying to get like, so like wooey about it, right? But it depends on what it means to you to be alive and what it means for you to be fulfilled yeah. and, right? It used, because I used to, hate myself so badly mm. it used for me to be fulfilled it meant to be like i need to be successful in my career in order for me to feel like i'm adequate right and now it's like, I, I don't give a fuck anymore right but like but like it used but but like now it means a lot for me to be like oh i take care of the dogs that i'm responsible for like i take care of the creatures you know but like it, it, it's like work-life balance is it depends on work means and what life means to you and for a lot of people life means work and how much you succeed in the work and i like so that. on I'm the not... topic of oh go ahead no no no, no i'm finished oh, i was finished yeah, yeah same. I was finished. rant over so i was gonna say this and i think this will be kind of a good way to close we're uh we're closing in on an hour of us doing this and we're about uh 40 minutes away from from the Super Bowl starting, so we don't want to tie anybody's time up too terribly much as that approaches. Uh, apparently, there are nerds out there who like to pregame, like actually watching yeah. the pregame show. I don't know why <laughs> you would ever do that. That's that's a monumental waste of time, and that's coming from a an avid sports fan. But I think this is kind of a good a good thing that I want to like wrap the conversation up on is this poll that they talked about here at the end, and and looking at the things that are the most important to uh, women with the with the workplace, um, the things that in order to create a better future for women in the workplace, the things that should be prioritized. And the two things that rank at the very top, uh, tied at the top, in fact, are pay equity and flexible work. And I, I feel like we've kind of covered this a little bit. But let's dig a little bit into the... Uh, uh, the kind I just of the, want the income tax and with... the property tax to be lower, so my boyfriend yeah. can pay for the house and I can raise the kids. Can can I just? I, I would really like to see the cross tabs of this study because I would like to see this divide. Yeah, how many people from other regions of the country that that are not major city? I say this as a total city lover. How many people from outside of cities did you pull on this? How many people in other professions that weren't, I don't know, uh, Amanda, I love design? you when you say cross tabs. I just, I love you when you say cross tabs. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is uh, Amanda's PR yeah. brand coming back in. <laughs> but my, my guess is this is not a very representative poll uh, sponsored content. See, I, I wouldn't imagine so either. Like the... Like we kind of talked about earlier, the the pay equity and the flexible work, that's, whether it be right or wrong, that's sort of an either or type of situation. Like, hmm. like with the flexible work, the more work flexibility that you have, the less likely it is that you're going to be in one of the higher paying type positions, unless you get all the way up to the, like the, the tippy top and then you can do whatever the fuck you want. Because 
you know, you're you're getting paid uh, because you're you're there because you do that. But but like for most of what they're talking about, you, you're you're either going to take a schedule and you're going to take a job that allows you the flexibility, or you're going to take something that pays more. So so the fact that the two of these like basically what they're saying is we want to be paid top dollar to do whatever we want whenever we want. That's that's not the way the that's that's the way a a, a ten year old's brain works. That's not the way yeah. that the real well, world. Who is it to say that women are not, are not children? Well, and these things like I mean these these little options, these answer options. I'm sure they oversimplify things, right? But I and I think it, a lot of it also depends on the industry. But you never underestimate the value of dependability. That is something that people will pay top dollar for. If you need to turn something in on deadline, if you have to turn something around quickly, if you need to be on a call at a certain time, knowing that you can depend on somebody is a huge deal for employers. So that even if you love the person, you, you just want to have a sense that they're going to be there at XYZ time. Now, a lot of times those hours and hour changes can be negotiated in advance, but yeah, I think a lot, a lot of that depends on the industry. And if you're looking at blue collar industries, especially flexible work, some, sometimes you have more flexible work with blue collar industries, again, like if you're doing tables or whatever, but that is sometimes less of an option. And for the people who are in that, uh, that type of a blue collar job with more flexibility, um, the people who, at least in in my experience, the people who are looking for those more flexible hours tend to be the less reliable. They tend to be uh, less qualified. They tend to be looking for fewer hours. Not they're not looking to max their schedule out. They're looking to work as little as possible. Like so, when you're in that position, you're not really setting yourself up to advance in in the workplace because those those types of workplaces typically uh are looking for people who are showing up 40 50 60 hours a week that are looking to advance that are pushing to to do more and so yeah i mean obviously you're you're kind of uh pricing yourself out of the market when you mm -hmm. put yourself in that type of position and I, I mean that's just that's straight up coming from a uh from a management perspective, like I've had men and women that have worked for me in every industry that I've been in and the people who are more willing to show up and work the overtime and do what's necessary to get the job done are the ones who are going to be more likely to advance and, and tend to be the ones who are higher salaried. And in the blue collar type of industries, that tends to not be women <laughs> as much as I hate to say it. I mean, that's, that, that is what it is uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like it's so hard to like like speak on this because I feel like I'm used to so used to talking to the in group where I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. duh, that that makes sense, you know. <laughs> and it's uh, trying to look at some of these other like you know, when you click on it, some of the stuff that pulls up, but it, none of it is. Uh... Well, I I've had a little bit of a of a mini rant about microaggressions too, um, because. Yeah, the, the use of the word microaggression, I really feel like it could be that men encounter just as many what we would call microaggressions as women do, and for whatever reason, don't complain about it. Maybe because there's a stigma around men complaining about microaggressions because people think that sounds dumb, and maybe that's a microaggression too. So here's a perfect example, adjusting. Okay, I didn't know that adjusting was a thing until I listened to the boys cast. But then I was like, of course, of course that would be a thing. Like every time you sit down, you have to think about it. That sounds terrible. I wouldn't, uh, that, that sounds absolutely awful. And so you would assume that the good thing for men to do, that the good posture to assume when you're sitting is kind of like a wide-legged posture because that seems more comfortable. And then suddenly we started calling that manspreading. It's not manspreading. It's men trying to sit down in peace without having to worry about sitting on their manhood-ing. 
So, so, so not everything that men do is asserting their male dominance. It's just like not everything that women do is about men. Like women don't wear makeup for men. Women don't dress nice for, for men. Women don't shave their legs for men, or at least I don't. I shave my legs because I don't like having hairy legs. But the point is, not everything that people do, Sigmund Freud, is about the opposite sex. And the way that men sit, to say that the way that men sit is about asserting male dominance? Or could it be because they have balls? And yeah. because you have stuff between your legs that, like, just, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, like, also, would. Could it be because they have balls? Right? Could it be as simple as that? Sometimes men will experience spontaneous happenings down there. And like, if that happens in the middle of a business meeting, of course, it's not socially acceptable to just like stand up while that's going on and then walk out of the room. So yeah, men are the ones who are expected to wear pants. I consider that a microaggression. So it goes both ways is all that I'm trying to say really. Maybe we I'm just going to start wearing, I'm just going to start wearing a kilt all the time. Then yeah. It's easier to adjust everything if, if things are getting out. Now I'm happy to work a job where it is socially acceptable for me to wear yoga pants 365 days a year. Yeah. Because I work with dogs and I have to climb into a very tall van. Yeah. So I just always have to be like up and down and moving around and I'll just work I'll just keep wearing yoga pants and for now they're professional yoga pants and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Man, and I'm on really the micro I say on the microaggression thing, I would say that ninety percent of the time men don't even realize there's a microaggression taking place. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> I mean I don't I'm I'm sure if you like looked at my life it, it you could probably you could decide that certain things are microaggressions that i just call it life mm -hmm. life maybe yeah right like a lot yeah. of things are just life and i feel like i i i think something like I, I have an accent and you know like people will make fun of it and right but like people will make fun of it and, and i just laugh along because like oh it's funny and i lean into it and it makes me feel good about bonding with people. And I think like, how terrible would it be if I took this bonding opportunity and made it something that's like, oh, this is dividing us, right? Mm -hmm. Like I made cookies for everybody at work and I put a post-it saying from Russia with love, being like from Russia with love, <laughs> right? Right, and, and the people yeah. are like, oh, you mean like a James Bond that's thing, cute. right? And, I'm, and it's like, yeah, right? It's like, imagine like, Imagine if I didn't do that. Imagine if every time they're like, wait, you're from Russia? Can you speak Russian? Are you are you FSB? Right? Imagine if every time it's like, oh, oh, oh my god, you guys, right? Imagine if I did that. That would be so sad for everybody, you know? And yeah, like it, there is so much opportunity to befriend people and have laughs with people and get along with them and vibe with them and it's so sad that our culture like encourages us to be like oh what do you have against me that you're using and, you know on the one hand we're told so yeah on the one hand we're told that these in immutable characteristics mm -hmm. like gender and heritage are essential components of our personality which i mean I think that other things are more important than the fact that I'm a woman, but whatever. And then on the other hand, we're told that like anytime someone talks to you about being a woman or being from a certain country, it's a microaggression. So I, again, pick a lane, sponsored content. Yeah, right. Well, I yeah. think we all yeah. thoroughly hated this article. Uh, <laughs> for varying reasons, but reasons right reasons yeah yeah reasons <laughs> all right yes, so we we're boss planning sorry yes let's say jim jim made amanda blush so we have succeeded in another live stream i was yeah. the one who was boss planning i'm defending your guys's honor i'm really sorry <laughs> you have to worry about adjusting like that was just a thing that again when i first heard it, i was like of course that would make total sense i can't believe i've never thought of that before it's like men when they learn that women have periods. It was I just felt I felt awful. I felt like I was a poor I was a bad ally in that moment, and I will do better, men. Oh, well, I don't think we solved the uh, the pay gap, or but does it need to be solved? Pay gap solves itself. Yeah, pay gap solves itself. Yeah. 
hopefully we did at least get to uh, some of our own solutions on some of this stuff. And I think uh, what it all kind of boiled down to is you get to make decisions for yourself and what makes you happy in life. And uh, you shouldn't be allowing your job to necessarily do that. And if it does, maybe, you know, it, there's more to it than the pay side of it. There's more to it than just uh, whether you're a man or a woman, <laughs> whether it's white collar or blue collar. Like there's a, there's a lot of nuance to this conversation. And I feel like, uh, I think this article really just completely misses the point of life in general. Of course, they've talked to a bunch of uh, what look like white CEOs. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, what, what do they know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, Magoo says he's off to watch the Super Bowl like a man. Uh, again, yes. I would just, I, I would just counter that the true men's sport, ladies and gentlemen, is ice hockey. <laughs> and I will not hear otherwise. It is, it is soccer with actual stakes. Okay. It's soccer with testosterone. And uh, so, yeah, I, I stand for hockey, not football. I enjoy hockey, so I, I can't really argue with that. Uh, and I'm probably not going to watch the Super Bowl. Hmm. I might, but probably not. I don't have a lot riding on this one, so. Yeah. Well, ladies, this has been fun. Give your plugs, and uh, we'll call it a wrap, and then everybody can get to their Super Bowl parties or uh, just drinking yourself into oblivion instead of doing that. Whatever you choose to do. I am at Brad Birdie on Twitter, and I'm going to go off to see friends at, at a bar. And I don't know which team I should cheer for, because I used to live in California, but... The Rams are not truly California, and I wasn't in the Southern California anyway. I'm in Northern California. So I'm very confused, but I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, and I'll figure out who to cheer for. The Rams abandoned us Midwesterners, so you should definitely cheer for the Bengals and hope that they beat those uh, bailout Rams that left us. Well, now I've decided I'll cheer for the Bengals. (laughs) This Uh, is how flexible I am. There we go. Yeah. I'm Amanda. You can follow me personally at Ajax the Griff. My account is temporarily private um, because I'm trying to plot an exodus from California. Um, my ca- but I will approve followers. Um, you can also check out my podcast, or it's half my podcast. I have a co-host who's wonderful. It's Civil Discord Pod, and then it's, of course, the Civil Discord Podcast. And we record every Sunday, so I get to do that later tonight. It's going to be awesome. And be sure to go check out their brand new YouTube channel that has a singular video on it. But I can I can attest that it is high quality video. We're, yeah, because because Justin is producing our content and we're going to have more and more videos. We've been audio for almost a year now and now we've transitioned also into an, a video element for for the people, for the people. And if I don't get too drunk, there will be some uh, clips that come out later this week as well. Woo! Nice. Well, ladies, thank you again for yeah, joining me. This you. was a lot um, of fun, as always. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Um, oh, if you yeah. listen to it very soon, it'll be after midnight. It. It'll be Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day. Yay. As, as the married one in this group, I probably shouldn't have forgotten about that. But, you know, <laughs> she, she doesn't care. Yeah. Get you a sword. And as soon as I hit, as soon as I hit in broadcast, I'm stabbed. But <clears throat> yeah, right. like, with your it's sword. a good thing that I. It's a good thing I pre-recorded Wednesday's episode. Nobody's gonna know that I'm dead for at least a week. Oh, all right. Well, y'all have a good one. Hope everybody Ready? enjoys your, good, the good, rest good, of your good, night. It was nice enjoy the Super to you. Bowl for those awesome who are watching video. it, and I will be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode. And until then, have a good one, everybody. Good night. Later. Bye.